Does your startup need to get a SOC 2 report to close big deals? Or do you already have a SOC 2 report and want to make it easier to maintain year after year? Vanta has built software that makes it easier to both get and renew your SOC 2. With Vanta, you avoid anxious auditor interviews, and you don't have to capture hundreds of screenshots proving that you are SOC 2 compliant to your auditor. Companies like Lattice, User Testing, and hundreds of others have successfully gotten their SOC 2 reports with Vanta. Equity listeners can redeem $1,000 off of Vanta subscription by visiting vanta.com slash equity. That's vanta.com slash equity. Hello and welcome to Equity Shot, our quick hit on breaking news. I'm Natasha Mascarenas, and today joining me to talk about a tale of not one, but two direct listings on the same damn day is Danny Crichton. How are you, Danny? I'm doing all right. This is exciting. You know, we went from a world of no direct listings to an occasional direct listing to multiple direct listings in the same day. So it's an exciting, exciting morning. We can finally stop breaking up Spotify and Slack whenever we say the D L word. And we can mention Asana and Palantir, which are the two news hits we got today. It's like a, a zoo of curiosities, you know, uh, but w- w- lots of great stuff to talk about. Where, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with Asana or Palantir? What's more interesting to you? I think I have to start with Palantir. Um, okay. And my big question is you've been tracking it through every, you know, crazy filing. Your high level thought, was this a successful debut on the stock market for Palantir today? I, th- I think it's uh, definitely a success. You know, the, the stock from January 2019 onwards was trading at around 5 to 5.50 a share. And then in the last two or three months, that, that price jumped to about $9.16 as of September 1st. And so, you know, when, when the reference price came out yesterday from the New York Stock Exchange, which was quoted at $7.25, a lot of people were like, wow, that's like a significant drop from 9.16. Like what happened? Particularly... Also, last week, we had the Wall Street Journal reporting that they were looking for a $10 reference price. So, you know, none of those numbers were really good. But look, it's trading now. It's live. Um, as we're uh, doing this show, it's $10.61 a share. Um, so it's better than all the numbers we heard before. And it's up 50% on day one. So, so part of me feels like this reference value was actually chosen precisely to give it a pop on day one. You know, if they were targeting 10 bucks on, on day one, this is sort of what they got. And so a little bit of a lower reference price might have given them a little bit more of a you know, that that uh, psychological boost on, on day one. So I, I think overall it's a success. Do you, can you talk to me a little bit about how we're trying to value the company right now? I feel like I'm seeing a bunch of different numbers out there. Do we have an understanding of its fully diluted market value? We, we do. Uh, it, there's still a little bit of a debate, mostly because Palantir gives multiple numbers for the number of shares. So it, it, it gives us 1.6 billion shares outstanding, 2.1 fully diluted, 2.1 billion fully diluted, and then 2.5 billion fully, fully, fully diluted. And so it, it's, I would say at its current share price, we would call it around 24 billion in valuation, which is an uptick from its, its last rounds. And again, it, you know, for a 17-year-old company to have this sort of strong uh, debut on, on Wall Street, I, I think it's pretty good, all things considered. Okay, cool. I'll put a pin in Palantir, but I do want to talk about their lockup period later. Run me through Asana's numbers. I saw it opened at a 5.2 billion value. Yeah, so Asana, a similar story. So yesterday, the New York Stock Exchange released a reference value of 21 bucks per share. It zoomed straight out onto the public market. So it, it debuted. It's currently sitting at $28 a share, up 33% on day one so far. It, it's up to about, I think it peaked at 5.2 billion. And as of now, it's more like 3.5, 3.75 billion in market cap. 
But again, that's actually significantly higher than its last valuation, which was in, in late, late 2018, around $1.5 billion. So, you know, across the board, I think both of these issues, you know, there's always a lot of risk around uh, direct listings, as you pointed out, Natasha. There haven't been that many. This is yeah. sort of a novel mechanism. They're still a little bit unclear on exactly how they work. And so it's great to see, again, similar to Slack and Spotify, you know, these are two enterprise companies. So again, totally different from the kind of more consumerized brand name companies, particularly Spotify, which, you know, has tens of millions of, uh, you know, consumers who might be retail investors buying into the stock. Most people haven't used Asana and certainly most people haven't used Palantir. And so to see the kind of strength on the markets in the first day is, is enticing for other companies considering the direct listing model. Right. Yeah. Two things there. I feel like Palantir's total customer base was what, 100 or 50 companies? 125 customers. That's a lot of customers. <laughs> Doing God's Socially work. Socially distanced. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty, it's, I mean, it's, it's something, it's like probably my favorite statistic about the company. And I think I saw Dan Primack tweeting the, t the other day that, you know, it's no longer going to be a secretive company, so we can stop calling it as such. This is kind of the end of that right? That conversation about Palantir for so long we've been having. Well, I, I will say, uh, I, I checked this about an hour ago, so it might not be true today, but um, Asana has an investor relations page, like a standard, like every company who publicly trades. Palantir does not. <laughs> like it actually does not have, as, as of an hour ago that I looked up, I could not find an investor relations page for Palantir, which, which kind of tells you everything you need to know about the company. <laughs> I feel like that, that is like in a beautiful one sentence sort of describes its relationship uh, with investors. But but I think you're absolutely right. You know, it, despite the fact it only has 125 customers, despite the fact it, you know, took 17 years, the reality is it grew, it's growing from 743 million in revenue last year in, in fiscal year 2019. It gave a, a revenue projection for 2020 of about 1.05 billion. So it, it's a, a growth company. It's SaaS. It's more and more SaaS today than it was in the past, where it was more services driven. So again, it, it, it's a positive story, despite all the, the kerfuffle around its governance the last couple of weeks. Do you, do you feel like the direct listing method might now take on more popularity? I mean, maybe in some way, but can we even, is, is it enough of a success you think that other companies might follow suit now that it's not just Slack and Spotify that, that did this? I mean, I think the more the merrier, right? I, I yeah. think, you know, Palantir in particular raised a capital round back in July, right? Which was sort of what I was told from some insiders, you know, essentially the IPO. That was the IPO. And then the direct listings, just the actual market exchange. So I, I think we're going to see more companies taking this approach of, of sort of bifurcating the capital raise, you know, the float that you would normally do in an IPO and just the actual, we're just going to start trading today. And, you know, uh, I, I think that that allows you more time to, to create the right narrative, the right story. Um, it also separates what is a, a pretty intense kind of crisis-driven process, the roadshow, you know, it's getting the company ready, the SEC filings. Separating out, it out, you know, doesn't put all your eggs in one basket. You can do it in stages. And I think more and more companies are going to take that approach going forward. My, my other question, too, is, and I'm sure our listeners are curious, is, with all direct listings, there's no shares offered by the company when, the, when it debuts. And so when we see these prices, I guess, how much of them are they vanity metrics? How much of them are hypotheticals? How important are they for us to care about and think about? I, yeah, I want to be precise. So there are no new shares offered by the company. So there's no dilutive, you know, in, in an IPO, you generally have 15, maybe 20% new shares offered to the public. There are no new shares, but many of the insiders have to pay taxes, capital gains, they actually do have to sell shares. So, you know, so far this morning, already 35 million shares of uh, Asana have already been traded. And um, we have 
uh, on Palantir already 230 million shares sold today, right? So already there's a market. There's clearly tens of millions of shares being sold. So these prices are real or as real as any other IPO in which people are, you know, figuring out what's going to happen. You know, the next, you know, checkpoint for both of these companies is going to come in a couple of weeks when they report their next quarterly earnings. And I think by then you'll start to see the analysts get comfortable with the companies, understand the next steps and what's happening after that. And you're speaking with Dustin Moskovitz later today, the co-founder of Asana. So any questions on deck that you can kind of tease out right now? Well, I, I, I was told uh, the, the PR folks uh, complained about our stock imagery because apparently Dustin no longer has sideburns. So we're going to talk about... The, join the line of people that complain, but it's fine. You know, there's the old line about taking a haircut. You know, Asana's up 35%, so they actually gained hair on the market today, so to speak. <laughs> they should be happy. Um, so, but clearly not sideburns, but maybe somewhere else. Uh, but no, I think we're going to be really interested because uh, Asana is a unique company in which its founders, Dustin Moskovitz who, and Justin Rosenstein, who both met each other at Facebook, um, actually own a majority of the company outright, right? We just never see or very rarely see tech companies where the founding two CEOs and, and uh, COO own like outright a majority, like not just a majority of the voting because of class A, class B shares, but they just outright own about 52% of the company. I believe Dustin owns 36% of the company outright and, and Justin owns around 16.1%. And so to me, like I, I'm just curious because it's just a different path for a company. It's a, it was a slower growth company raised capital much more efficiently, grew much more methodically, and, and the founders sort of maintained ownership over time in a way that most other founders do not. I think the other, the other thing to point out here is Asana has no lockup. So uh, it's similar to Spotify and to Slack as a direct listing, you know, all the shares are available for trade. So anyone who, any insider, anyone who owns a share of Asana this morning can put it on the market and sell it. Um, Palantir is the complete opposite. Palantir is pioneering this new kind of fusion of the IPO and the direct listing, one would argue, maybe the worst of both of those processes, but actually as a direct listing with a lockup. And so only roughly 28 to 29% of Palantir shares are even available for sale at all, with the, the rest in lockup and market standoff agreements that will uh, expire over the next calendar year. So, you know, there's a lot more to, to wait on, right? right? There's not as much liquidity with Palantir. It could actually harm the stock price. It might be a little bit inflated right now because there's a limited number of shares available for trade. We'll have to watch and see. But again, it'll be interesting to see if other companies start to do a direct listing with a lockup because clearly Palantir has not suffered tremendously using this model. So again, another tool in the tool chest. And did Uber do something similar with a lockup period? Or am I making that up? Uh, they did, um, like all IPOs, you know, whenever there's an underwriter from a bank, they have lockups in place, mostly to make sure that there's not a mass rush to the exit, right? They don't want hundreds of millions of shares at any price willing to be sold. They want to kind of manage it coming out because they're putting oftentimes their own money up through the green shoe at stake. And so, you know, again, that's what made direct listings unique is that there wasn't this lockup, you know, employees are free to do, you know, on day one through whenever. They don't have to wait six months as is customary. So again, we'll, we'll see kind of where the... The system lies in the future. As you know, the New York Stock Exchange also got approval to do a direct listing with a capital fundraise. So, you know, we've gone from this world of like, there's an IPO and that's the only way to go public it. to, you can do a direct listing, a direct listing with a lockup, a direct listing without a lockup, a direct <laughs> listing with a lockup and a capital fundraise. Like you can do anything you want. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the Netflix of, of going public, so to speak. <laughs> I see the headline now, Airbnb goes public through a, through a Palantir style direct listing. It's just going to happen. And it's going to be horrible. But we will be back here to talk about it, as always. Every shareholder gets a free party house for one night. So <laughs> that'll be the new innovation going on there. But but that's Asana. That is Palantir for today. And, and we'll have more to come in, in the next week. 